And uh, Lord willing, we'll finish the chapter this morning. And we were discussing uh, for several months now, as we're looking at this, that the privilege of being a priest, okay, this book of Leviticus, the Levites, okay, and again, something I had said when we first started studying it, um, not all Levites were priests, but all priests were Levites, okay, does that make sense? Okay, so just because you were a Levite didn't make you a priest, but because of God's law, you had to be a Levite to be a priest. And again, we have been looking at the fact that there were disqualifications to being a priest. All right, so this God giving instruction here in this book on how he expects his priests to function. And you and I, uh, in the New Testament, there's a, you know, the doctrine of the priesthood of the believer. We are priests, all right, that we've looked at that several times. I'm not going to spend the time to look up the references this morning. But uh, we've been talking about, as priests, the different offerings we can offer, the different garments we wear. We have been looking at our responsibilities as a priest. And then we had looked about the fact that he has set us apart. Okay? He has sanctified us. He has hallowed us. He has made us holy. Pick any of those words. They have the same foundation in the, in the language that he has fenced around us to make us something special. Okay? And that is so important. Okay, I love that, that God has something special for each one of us to do. Okay, I love that. And that is one of, uh, if you've ever looked at um, Billy Graham and how he uh, approached people for salvation to, uh, to introduce them to their need for the Lord, is that was his first point. God has something special planned for each and every one of us. Yeah, that is something amazing when you realize that. Second part of that, you need, we realize that our sin separates us from God and he can't do that special work with us because we are in sin. But then the third point was always, but Jesus Christ has come to forgive us our sins and bring us back into that relationship with God where we need to be. And then all those special things that God wants to do in our lives, he can finally do it. Okay, Because without faith, it is impossible to please him. So that's an amazing thing. There's not people in this world that God doesn't have a plan for, right? He is not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. God has a wonderful plan for every person. The issue is, are they going to take the opportunity to grasp this free gift that God has provided through the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ so that we can have the barrier Okay, and again, let me tease you with that unforgivable sin that we talked about this morning in Sunday school. I'm not going to say any more, but go back and listen to Sunday school tape. Amen? Uh, we, we, Dan, I'm telling you, this morning hit two amazing doctrinal points that separate a lot of Christian denominations this morning in Sunday school. We dealt with those things. But God is an amazing God in the fact that he has set us apart. The problem, and we've been looking at it for several weeks, is are we setting ourselves apart? Because we bear the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have his name, and God warns us not to profane it, and we'll see it again this morning. We have the option of defiling ourselves and profaning the name, or we have the option, because God has set us apart, to walk like we're set apart. Okay, I was uh, interested, just... Some certain things as you're studying the Word of God, there's certain things in the world that just remind you of this. And it was this, uh, this little TikTok video. Some of you have no idea what TikTok is. That's okay. It's a video on my phone. And uh, I looked at it, and there was a horse. Okay, there was a bunch of horses, and they were in the pen. But this one horse walked up to the fence, put his head under the one wire, stepped over the other wire, walked right through, and he was gone. The other, the other horses all stayed in the pen. This one was clever enough to got himself out. And again, I thought, man, what a smart horse. But then I thought again about us, where God says he has us separated in. And he's got us in a special place. But are we ones who will wind up sneaking out of that special place and doing our own thing? Okay, and you see these cows or horses where the, uh, the sheriff's department's trying to get them off the highway because they got loose. Is that us? Or are we living in that spot where God has set us apart and put us aside and we're living in that protected place? 
Okay, and then we had spoken about you know, several things that can disqualify us if we're not growing and being the people God wants us to be. And then God talked about making sure that we don't have sin in our lives, that there aren't sins that are disqualifying us. Last week, we had spoken about our food. The week before that, we had spoken about washing. And both of them are in regards to God's word. We wash by the water of the word and we nourish ourselves every day. And I warned you I was going to ask you. You don't have to answer because I don't expect every one of us in here to answer all at the same time. But how was your Bible reading this week? Amen. Good. Because that's what keeps us clean and that's what helps us grow. Remember Job said it's more important than my necessary daily food. Plus, not only that, it's the sweetest, most desirable food I can think of is the Word of God. Okay? This, today, and last week we introduced the thought, and this is all intro because I want to set us up. Uh, last week we ended with reminding us that God would take the fifth part in response to getting ourselves cleaned back up again and where we need to be. And we talked about our giving. Well, here we go. We're going to talk about giving this morning. And again, in a lot of churches, this is a subject that people just automatically shut off. They want to grab hold of their wallet and say, all they ever talk about at church is money. Okay, so I'm warning you, we're not just talking about money. We're talking about giving. It's a difference, okay? But that's one of the complaints all the time that happens is, uh, you know, you'll hear somebody, well, I go to church once in a while, and every time I go in there, all the pastor talks about is money. Okay, well, you must plan the schedule pretty well because we don't talk about money very often. Um, but we are going to talk about giving here because it fits. This is God's word. We're going verse by verse. So let us begin, please, in verse 17. Verse 17. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto Aaron and to his sons and all the children of Israel and say unto them, Whatsoever he be of the house of Israel, or of the stranger in Israel, that will offer for his vows, and for all his free will offerings, which they will offer unto the Lord for a burnt offering. Ye shall offer of your own free will a male without blemish of the beeves and of the sheep and of the goats, but whosoever hath or whatsoever hath a blemish, that shall he not offer for it shall not be accepted for you. And whosoever offereth a sacrifice of peace offerings unto the Lord to accomplish his vows, or a free will offering in the beeves of the sheep, it shall be perfect to be accepted. There shall be no blemish thereon. Blind or broken or maimed or having wean or scurvy or scabbed, ye shall not offer these unto the Lord nor make any offering by fire upon, uh, of them upon the altar to the Lord. Either a bullock or a lamb that hath anything superfluous lacking in his parts, thou mayest offer as a freewill offering, but, thou, uh, but for the vow thou shalt, it shall not be accepted. Ye shall not offer unto the Lord that which is bruised or crushed or broken or cut, neither shall thou make any offering thereof, in your land, neither from the stranger's hand shall ye offer bread of your God of any of these, because their corruption is on them, and the blemishes be in them, they shall not be accepted for you. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, When a bullock or a sheep or a goat is brought forth, then it shall be seven days under the dam, and from the eighth day. And thenceforth it shall be accepted for an offering made by fire to the Lord. And whether it be a cow or a ewe, ye shall not kill it nor her young both in one day. And when she, ye will offer sacrifice of thanksgiving to the Lord, offer it at your own free will. On the same day it shall be eaten up, but ye shall leave none of it until the morrow I am the Lord. Therefore... Shall ye keep my commandments and do them? I am the Lord. Neither shall ye profane my holy name, but I will hollow it among the children of Israel. I am the Lord which halloweth you, that brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. I am the Lord. Let's pray. 
Father, I thank you that you are the Lord. You are our Lord. And we have some responsibilities in that. And so, Father, help us as we understand this today. And Lord, even though we speak of giving, there's so much more to it than a monetary gift. So, Lord, be with my mind. Help me to share those things that you've laid upon my heart. But, Lord, uh, Holy Spirit, teach us those things we need to understand about each one of us. Father, you are more interested in us being who you want us to be than doing what you want us to do. So, Father, please uh, guide your word this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. So, we are going to talk about this morning our giving. Okay, because that's what this entire passage is about. If you're going to offer an offering unto the Lord, God's got some coaching he's doing here. All right, and uh, so first off, I wanted to uh, deal with, go if you would to first, uh, Second Corinthians, please. Second Corinthians, and God reminds us of types of giving, and I want us to see this in the New Testament. There are uh, three types of giving that I want to look at today. Now, you can break it down into other kinds of uh, different subjects that fit right in this uh, grouping. But when it comes to what we want to look at today, there are three deliberate types of giving. There's obligatory giving, okay, and we looked at that. That means you have no choice. It is obedience. It is something that God requires. Okay, this is what God wants. He's commanded it. You will give because it is something that God told you to do. Okay, there is voluntary offering, which is what we just read a few times too about if you offer it, of your free will. means God doesn't ask you to do it. It's not a commandment. God allows us to give, and if we want to do something, God allows us to. And that's why I say here, a free will offering, and we read that several times. We talked about an oblation, okay, which was something that was mandatory that we needed to give, or voluntary, a free will offering. And then the third category is that of of um, sacrificial giving, okay? And the, just to be clear about that, uh, it's like, well, Pastor, aren't all these offerings sacrifices? Yes, but when we define sacrificial giving in the Bible, it be, basically means it's something that you can't afford to give, but you give it anyway, okay? That it is of, above and beyond. It's not like you've calculated out and say, this is what we can do. Sacrificial giving is trusting God to do what we can't do, okay? And a lot of times in some of, the, the term has fallen off in some churches, but for a while there, they use the, um, the term uh, faith promise, okay? If you've ever heard that. It basically means, um, Lord, I don't know how I'm going to afford to give you this money, but I will because I'm trusting that you're going to take care and bless this offering and, and support me in it. Okay, so often we use that phrase faith, faith promise just as some generic, uh, yeah, I put a dollar in for faith promise. Well, if your dollar is faith promise, you got a problem. Okay, because faith promise means, listen, I can't afford to give this amount, but by faith, I'm promising it to the Lord that he's going to take care of me. Okay, that's sacrificial giving. So those are the three I wanted to talk about in looking at this, because two of them are very deliberately mentioned in this Leviticus passage. That if you have an oblation or a vow that you must give, or if you have a free will offering that you don't have to give, but you want to because you love God, okay, or you love God's people. In 2 Corinthians, we see this in chapter 8, okay, and uh, I still remember when Brother Dan was teaching this uh, in uh, Sunday school quite a few years back, but uh, let's set a little history here so we can understand what's going on. Uh, the church of Jerusalem was suffering because of famine in the area, and the believers there were hurting. And so the Apostle Paul uh, went about asking different churches for a love offering that he could take back to Jerusalem to help the believers that were there. Okay, And he had approached in 1 Corinthians chapter, uh, the, the book, you see it, uh, that he had asked this church at Corinth. Now Corinth was a very wealthy area, and it had a church that had a lot of money. Okay, a lot of funds available. And um, so the Apostle Paul approached them. Well, uh, as time went by, they made a big promise what they would give, but they actually didn't come through with their giving. Okay, so they told them this is what they would offer to the church to help out, but they never really came through. Okay, so Paul writes this second letter and says, listen, 
you guys made a promise of how much you should give. And let me give you a little nudge here. So we, the, he brings up the churches in Macedonia. Now, Macedonia was just the opposite. Macedonia was a pretty poor region. Okay, they were not a wealthy area, and the little churches that were up there weren't rolling in the bucks either. Okay, but Paul uses the Macedonians as a poor group of believers versus the church of Corinth, which was a pretty wealthy group of believers. So that's where we're setting it up. So when we start reading this, hopefully we'll understand what Paul's trying to show us. Okay, chapter 8, 1 Corinthians, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. In verse 1. Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed upon the churches in Macedonia, how that in a great trial of afflictions, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. For to their power I bear record, yea, and beyond their power, they were willing of themselves, praying, all, uh, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministry to the saints. As this they did, not as we hoped, but they first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto, and unto us by the will of God insomuch that we desired Titus as he had begun, that he would finish in you the same grace also. Therefore, as ye abound in everything, in faith, in utterance, in knowledge, in all diligence, and in love, see that ye abound in this grace also. I speak not by commandment, by occasion of the forwardness of others, that ye prove the sincerity of your love. For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he were rich, for our sakes he became poor, and through his poverty, uh, that, that ye through his poverty might be rich. So we see this evidence. Here's this church, Paul saying, listen, you guys have got plenty of money. Look at this little church. They were in deep poverty. They were having a very heavy trial of afflictions, yet they gave more than they, he says, by record, more than they could get, should be able to give. The Apostle Paul says, listen, I want to show these guys the example. But, so here's a few things we want to break down. Number one, we see their vow, vow, what they needed to, their obligatory offering. And that is, they first gave of their own selves. Now, if there's one thing that I want us to focus on this morning. We're going to fill in some gaps underneath this thought. But God is interested in you giving of yourself. He wants you more than anything else in the world. He doesn't want your money. He doesn't want your house. He doesn't want your time. He doesn't want your talent. I shouldn't say it that way. That's not where his focus is on. His focus is on all of you. He wants you. And the Apostle Paul says, listen, these folks gave first of their own selves to the Lord. You want a great verse for that? I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Romans 12, 1, right? Present your bodies a living sacrifice. Oh, you know, that's amazing when believers do that. No, it's not. God says it's your reasonable service. You ever have somebody come in and say, well, I've surrendered to go to the mission field and my wife and I and my children were giving up everything and doing what the Lord tells us and we all go, wow, they're so spiritual. No, their reasonable service is present your bodies a living sacrifice. You see what the Apostle Paul says? He's talking about this group in Macedonia saying, listen, they did what they needed to do first. That obligatory, that commandment was Give your whole self unto the Lord. Now I wrote that, I'm going to steal my own thunder, I'm jumping down my notes already. So often we say, well, God wants 10%. No, God wants 100%. We just happen to give 10% because that's the calculation that God has done throughout. If you look in God's word, it has always worked. And I'll tell you one thing, I've dealt with pastors for, uh, that have been in the ministry for 70 years. Okay, and 
met them in their 70s. So we're talking about almost probably 150 years worth of ministry. And you know what they have told me? If God's people will tithe, God's people will never be without the funds that God needs to take care of it. It's an amazing thing that when the church is tithing, when people are tithing, number one, everybody's needs are met. Number two, God blesses. Why? Because God knows what he's doing. But put that aside. And again, get your hand off your wallet. Okay? If you hadn't gotten the clue that there's the focus. If we wanted to summarize it, we could finish the sermon today. How many want to finish the sermon today? Tough. We're not done yet. Okay? But God wants 100%. They first gave of themselves to the Lord. A reasonable service. Present your body a living sacrifice. Because I guarantee you, if he has 100% of you, then he has everything that he wants from you. And your giving will always be just what he wants. Because he owns all of you anyway. What? Know ye not you're bought with a price? You're not your own, therefore glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. He owns us anyway. He wants 100%. So there's that first part of giving. The obligatory is if you've given, your God your, your, if you've given God your whole life 100%, then little things that you can give him on the side, even if it's deep poverty, don't make any difference because he owns all of you anyway. Okay, but then notice, they were willing to offer this offering. This isn't something the Apostle Paul came up and pounded on the pulpit in front of him and said... Y'all need to give to this ministry. As a matter of fact, if you look at the history, they probably never approached the churches in Macedonia because they didn't have a whole lot of extra funds. You wouldn't have planned a missions fundraising trip in Macedonia to raise money. Okay? That wasn't the plan. But to their surprise, the church of Macedonia was some of the best givers because first they gave it themselves. Number two, they gave it freely of their own free will. Where the Apostle Paul is saying to Corinth, guys, you made a promise you're not even keeping, let alone free will. You, made, you wrote down on the paper, this is much of how much we're going to provide, and you weren't providing it. This, these churches in Macedonia were giving it of their own free will they offered. And then, of course, what the Apostle Paul says in verse 3, for to their power I bear record, yea, even beyond their power. He said they were given sacrificially. He says, you know what, not only could they do this, they couldn't, this was beyond them, yet they still gave. Okay, now I just want to address that because we are looking in Leviticus at free will offerings and obligation offerings. Okay, and the difference, well, we, this hasn't changed. God still expects that kind of offering from you and I. He just first is more interested in all of us. If he has 100% of you, then what he asks for, you have no problem giving. If he has 100% of you, then you might just offer something freely to the Lord or God's people because he has all of you anyway. And if he has all of you, there are sometimes you and I will dig deep even when we can't give, we do. Because he owns all of us anyway. You with me? Okay, I wanted us to understand and look at that because we're about to go back and look at something even more fun. We're, uh, hopefully I'll go short today so I don't get things thrown at me. I mean, um, oh, I'm, I'm jumping ahead of my notes. Um, back, in Levitica, uh, back in 2 Corinthians, I want you to see something else. That God calls this grace. Did you see that with me? We always talk about the grace of the Lord. Here in this passage, four different times he references this as God's grace. Giving. And I need to say this because we'll be back to it in a few minutes. But number one, right in verse one, in chapter 8, he says, bestowed up, uh, the, to wit, the grace of God bestowed upon the churches in Macedonia. So in this giving, God says, this is my grace. And remember, what is a, we have a little acronym to remember what grace stands for, right? 
I know we, the, the theological definition might be uh, unmerited favor when you look it up, but the cute way to remember it, grace, G-R-A-C-E, is God's riches at Christ's expense. Okay, now think of that for a moment when we're talking about giving. It is God's riches at Christ. Everything I have, everything I am are, is God's. It's his riches. And I receive all that at Christ's expense. Because of what Jesus has done for me is the only reason I have anything in my life. God could snuff me out right now if he wanted to. Okay? Every good and perfect gift is from above. There's nothing in my life that I have that isn't provided because of God's riches. So that grace okay, that God bestowed upon the churches of Macedonia because they gave first 100% of themselves. Now, look at verse 6. It says, In so much we desire Titus down, that he would finish in you the same grace also. He says, Church in Corinth, I want you to be able to offer the same grace of God that the church in Macedonia is offering. He says, I'm, I'm sending Titus because he's going to collect the offering. And God says that he, you could perform that same grace, the riches of Christ. Okay, look, if you would, to verse 9. For ye know the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ... Now, before I finish reading the rest of this, this comes into play in a few minutes when we're reading in Leviticus. Our giving reflects what God means to us. It is a representation of how important our God is to us. Okay, now again, uh, please, I, I'm not expecting, oh, next week those offering plates are going to be full, buddy. Woo-hoo! Okay, we're talking about giving of our whole self. Is God everything to you? Because the way that we give represents what we think of our God. If we give a puny little amount of our life, then it probably God isn't very important to us, is he? But if we've stepped back and we've given him all and said, Father, everything I am is yours. That is what giving is. And again, get your hand off your wallet. We're talking about a lot of other areas of our lives besides just money. You have talent, time. There's so many things that God has brought. How important is God to you? And see, this is where I struggle with a lot of Christendom Christianity is because a lot of Christians have a hard time putting out one service a week for God. They'll come in on a Sunday or a Saturday morning or some other, and th- that's, that's such a tremendous effort for them to set aside that time for God. Well, if you can't give God that little bit, what does God really mean to you? Is he that important that you can't spare a little time when he's supposed to have all of you? Now, with that in mind, there's a flip side to that same coin. This grace of God that he calls it, God's riches at Christ's expense is our representation of how much he means to us. The flip side of the coin, and listen to this, is God's grace is his representation of what you and I mean to him. How much do you and I mean to God? Verse 9 says, The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ Though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, that through his poverty he might be rich. Do you see how much we meant to God? The Lord Jesus Christ had everything. He is God the Son, eternal in heaven, creator, sustainer, possessor of all, and he gave all all of that to you and me he became poor he humbled himself even to death of the cross so that he could give us god's riches at christ's expense you see the flip side of coin this giving not only do we rep- it represent our love for god giving represents his love for us he gave all he gave his life 
shouldn't we be willing to have that same grace in us also? Now again, I, we could go ahead and pull out books like Fox's Book of Martyrs and some of the scripture verses and other where we will see saints of old willing to give everything, including their lives, torn apart by lions, ripped apart by horses, boiled in oil, burned at the stake, all to represent that they were willing to give all for their Lord. But wait, we sit in cushy America. And my representation of how much I love God is I'll throw a five buck in the plate. Now again, I'm not telling you to make that a 20 buck. I'm telling you maybe give your whole life and then God will take care of the rest of that. Because you know what? Because of Jesus giving up his riches, you and I are now rich on his behalf. Because he became poor for us. Hold on to that thought because it comes back up in... in uh, uh, Leviticus chapter 22. He gave it all for us. He became rich. He became poor, so you and I become rich. Please remember, they first gave of themselves a living sacrifice, reasonable service. Go back to Leviticus now. I didn't want to miss that part because it'll mess up the tie-in that we see in a few minutes. So he tells us, that's our giving, now what about our gifts? Oh boy. Um, did I tell you recently that I love you? And we just need, I don't need to say that, and I'm not saying anybody is guilty of this, but there's a lot of this that goes on in Christianity, and I want us to remember what God expects from us. God expects our best. He says, listen, I want your offering to be without blemish. And he goes on in all these verses and names a bunch of blemishes that can happen. Um, just so you know, an old English word here, he says, and the beeves. Okay, that's not short for beavers. Okay, uh, you want it's an old English word. How many of you have ever heard the word bovine? Okay, which means cattle, oxen, cows, you know, big cow-like animals you can consider buffalo things like that you with me a bovine that's this word beeves is plural for beef for cow you with me so when he says of the beeves of the sheep of the he's talking about those big bovine type animals okay oxen cows bulls you with me so sometimes uh, the king james is funny the old authorized version where it uses a few words, but uh, this word is not that hard. Uh, we also saw a word called wean in the Bible, W-E-N or when. Uh, basically, it means like a small tumor or an outgrowth. Okay, Just a couple of words, nothing confusing, but sometimes we look at some of those old words and go, what in the world are they talking about? I, I don't need any beeves in my house. Okay, I, I love a good beeve on the barbecue. Amen? Nice juicy steak. Okay, he says without blemish. He wants our best. And again, if we go back to 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians and keep that thing in our mind, they offered themselves first, and then, out of their deep poverty, they gave above and beyond what they even could give. But here's something that happens in Christianity, and I've seen it here. It hasn't happened in a while, but there's been an occasion. So let me uh, put a couple of thoughts out there. Um, well, I'm done with this, so I'll give it to the church. Um, I don't have any use for this. I know I just, you know, somebody gave it to me. I don't need it, so I'll give it to the church. Or, or well, I think it still works. So we'll bring it down to the church. Now, that is just an interesting thought. In our world, and especially today, we have thrift stores, we have hand-me-downs, you can go get used clothes here and there, nothing wrong with that. But I want you to understand something. If our giving reflects who God is to us, he deserves our best, our all, everything. And God is warning here, don't you give something that's worn out or, or broken or sickly. And again, we had a little thing, of, in the nursery is where this comes out more than often than not. Um, somebody will bring, I brought a toy in for the nursery for the kids. And it's one of those, uh, you know, puzzles. Uh, there's only two pieces missing from the puzzle, but I'll give it to the kids at the church. Well, don't give it if there's missing pieces. 
come on. Now, there's a very, very, very simple illustration of what God's trying to tell us. You offer God your best. Okay, that is why God often talks about the first fruits. Meaning, even though you may not think, you may never receive any more, you give the first to God. Because that's, he's important. He will take care of you. Don't offer what is sickly or broken or unusable or you don't want. That is absolutely, completely opposite of what God expects from us. Okay, think about for a moment the three days that Abraham is walking with Isaac, journeying to the mountain that he was going to have to offer Isaac on the altar. For three days he understood that God required the death of his only son. God wants our best. Not something that's on the side, not something that's broken or diseased. Well, you know, I don't need this anymore, so I'll give it to God. That means God's the second thought. Make the God the first thought. In essence, it all belongs to God anyway, right? There's an interesting question. If the government came looking for something, do you think they would receive the broken, worse? No. If we're going to give it in our taxes, we're going to give it. Listen, God deserves our absolute best. That's why, and again, even the way you dress, I love you. Now, look at me. I don't have a suit on. I don't have a tie on. So you know I'm not real geared up on, you know, oh, maybe you better, oh boy, you better have the nice tie clip and, and cufflinks, okay, and them shoes shined. I have my sneakers on, okay. I'm flat-footed. Give me a break, Okay. But God tells us we ought to think about offering our best. If you wear to court something fancier than you wear to church, then you better think about that. Am I doing better for somewhere else in my life than I am for the Lord? This is the point here. God doesn't want the broken, the diseased, the dirty. The, he wants our best. Okay, so just keep that in your mind. We done with that? I didn't get anything thrown at me up here or anything. We're not just talking about money, guys. We're talking about our entire life. What is something that you could give? Now, here's another thought. Do you have a talent? I know all of you do. Have you given your talent to the Lord and offering your best? Now, we just talked about Easter coming up. Some of you might be talented in singing. Are you giving it to the Lord? Your best? Some of you might be talented in some other area. Are you giving it to the Lord? Okay, and again, I, please, I don't know what your talent. You may have a hidden talent I don't even know about. You may be a juggler. I, I just picked something out of, the sky, out of the blue that somebody probably isn't. Okay. What is it? <laughs> Seth is going, I am. Okay. I picked something ridiculous so I wouldn't offend anybody. What is something that you are talented in? Is it, are you using that? Are you hoarding that? Is it yours and you're not offering it to the Lord? Well, maybe it's time. Well, Pastor, I don't know how I can offer it to the Lord. Well, pray about it. You just never know. And I know in our church down through the years, there's guys who are mechanically inclined. Okay, and they're like, well, pastor, I, I ain't never fixed an engine in front of the whole church on a Sunday morning before. Uh, that's not what we're talking about. But maybe you can take that gift and use it to bless God and bless God's people. Maybe you're artistic. I'm not telling you what. I'm just telling you he wants all of you. If you think a preacher's talking about putting money in the offering plate, that's a small portion of what we're talking about. You can give to God in miraculous ways. Now, when it comes to what our Lord's done for us, remember what the gift of God is. Now he talks about a lot of different gifts, but there is one in particular. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. 
consider that. And th- this is that theme that's going to keep coming back. He has given his all so you and I can have his all. Did you catch that in that other verse where it said, he was rich but gave up his riches so that we could have his riches? Okay, He gave up his life so that you and I could inherit his eternal life, the gift of God. This is an amazing thought when it talks about giving. What is God worth to you? What is God worth to me? Everything? All right, one last little section because... God shows us in Leviticus chapter 23, uh, 22, the end of it. Let's look at verse 26. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, When a bullock or a sheep or a goat is brought forth, then it shall be seven days under the dam, and on the eighth day henceforth. Okay, so first of all, we're not talking about something that holds back a water. Okay, we're not talking about a dam this phrase again is when it stays with its mother under the dam, okay? When it is still being nourished by his mom, it's going to stay there for seven full days. You don't touch it, okay? Then on the eighth day. Now, I want to focus, and again, I don't want to have to reteach this whole thing this morning because of time's sake, but we have gone over in the book of Leviticus many times already the number seven and what it means in God's word, Okay, the number seven in God's word is God's eternal plan for creation. Okay, when he says, remember the Sabbath, seven days, and then the eighth day is the first day all over again, brand new. Okay, do, re, mi, fa, sol, la, ti, do, it's do again. The eighth note is the first note over again. Sunday to Sunday. Seventh day, Saturday. Sunday is the first day over again. This is a picture of what is God doing with this universe. He is going to have it function for 7,000. And then the eighth, he says in Revelation, I will make things brand new again. Okay, that is what this picture is here. There is one final offering that is going to take place. Okay, this world... The Bible says, in, in, uh, for, I want to make sure I get the right first. First Peter there, where he says, this world is going to perish in flames. That he's going to make a new heaven and a new earth. There is one more offering by fire that needs to get made, and that is the, at the end of the seventh when it becomes the eighth. God is picturing something here, and I want us to understand that. At the end of the seven, when God is finally done with his entire work here in this world. And again, if you were in Revelation, you can come talk to me about this later. Again, I don't want to spend a whole lot of time because we can. We could be here till five. Talking about the fact that there's going to be a tribulation period and then a thousand year reign. And at the end of the thousand year reign, God makes something brand new. Okay, it is the eighth again. All right, that is the amazing picture here. And again, we saw this fulfilled in Jesus Christ. He was resurrected on the eighth day, the first day of the week, the eighth day. Not the Sabbath, the seventh, but on Sunday morning, the eighth day. There's so much doctrine, so much teaching here. But understand something. This is the amazing thing about the gift you and I receive. First of all, we talked about the fact that The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. But there's one more part of this that we're not uh, thinking about sometimes. And we just sang a bunch of songs about it, that you and I have a heavenly inheritance, a new heaven and new earth that we will spend eternity in. And that is the gift of God that he has given to you and I. You and I become joint heirs with Christ. Now, my wife works for a lawyer right now who does a lot of this, uh, you know, uh, inheritance law, okay? Okay, looking at wills and who, when, when somebody dies, what belongs to who? Understand, please, that what God has done through Jesus Christ's gift for us is that he has made us to be joint heirs with Christ. That means the same inheritance that Jesus has we share that same inheritance. When we talked about the fact that God has adopted us into his family, sometimes in this world we get this, you know, 
really sort of unfortunate thought about adoption that you know you're just uh, some kid that the family brought in and maybe after years that poor kid will feel like he's part of the family if they might have the privilege of that but the parents never treat the child just like it's a blood child you know all the silliness that is not what adoption means in god's word adoption in god's word means son placement and now listen that means he puts you in the position of the firstborn when you are adopted now remember firstborn in the bible in the old testament received the largest inheritance if you had three children the inheritance was broken up into four pieces because the number one child got double everybody else okay if you had 12 kids you broke it into 13 and the oldest child got 13 he got two pieces okay adoption in the bible this picture this inheritance you and i get what jesus deserves as the firstborn of many brethren that is an amazing thought so when it's talking about this seventh day into the eighth day and that there's a sacrifice that's going to be given god talks about this that jesus is going to in the end times present the kingdom to the father as an offering as a gift Please understand, not only do we receive the gift of salvation, but we receive the gift of eternal inheritance forever. When God on the eighth day, from that seventh to eighth day, offers an offering by fire and makes a brand new heaven and a brand new earth, you and I get a chance to be a part of that. That's what we mean to him. Now, I said this before, and I want you to understand, this is the God, what God's trying to picture is our giving of ourselves represents what we think of him. Well, he gave me eternal life. I'm no longer bound for hell, but he also gave me an eternal inheritance forever that I don't deserve. Look at what he has given. That's what he thinks of you and I. So our giving should reflect what we think of him. Now again, get your hand off your wallet. Pastor's preaching about giving. He wants the offerings to go up. No. We each need to give our lives 100% to him. I guarantee you, if you give 100% of your life to God, 10% means nothing. If you give 100% to God, free will offerings when you have an opportunity to do good because the Lord asks you to, means nothing. If you give 100% of your life to God, even a sacrificial gift now and then means nothing because of everything he's given to us. Amen? So please, remember I told you we could stop the sermon at God wants all of you, 100%. That's what this is about, all of you. Now, last little bit and we'll be done. Part of this free will offering, there's a reason for it, and it's the last couple of verses here in the chapter. Number one, verse 31 Therefore ye shall keep my commandments and do them. I am the Lord. You wonder why God wants you to give? Fathers, you've said this before. Let me, let me put it in a way that we understand. Because I said so. Well, how come I have to do that? Because I said so. That's the obligatory gift. You are obliged to do it because God said so. Why do we give? Because God told us to give. Hey, number, number two, look what it says, verse 32. Neither shall ye profane my holy name, but it shall be hallowed among the children of Israel, or God's people, us today. Because God's name, we represent who he is. We give because we represent our God. And if people look at our lives and say, oh, well, that's all they're willing to give to God, he must not mean that much to them. Or you've given your entire being, your 100% to God, and people look at you and go, man, there's nothing more important in their life than their relationship with their God. We represent him. His name is hallowed in us, or at least it should be. And then the last one, I brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. Because he wants us to be separate from this world. And remember what we have been talking about from the very beginning is he has sanctified us. Don't be like 
those others in the world. He set us apart. He says, Listen, I brought you out of Egypt to make you different. So be different. Give yourself 100% to the Lord. And the rest will follow. You with me? Now, help me. And I'll help you. Because I'll tell you, I haven't always given 100% to the Lord. Sometimes I want my way. This is something as we grow, we're able more and more to surrender our lives. How many of you ever made a commitment to the Lord? Anybody? Come on, I think every one of us has. How many have found that years later you made another commitment to the Lord? Because it never stops. Because as we grow, we realized, oh, there's an area there I haven't surrendered. So you give it to the Lord. And you realize, oh, maybe I'm at 75%, Lord. And the Lord says, I'd like more. And you surrender a little bit more. We belong to God. We're his on 100%. So that way, whatever he asks us to give, okay, Lord, you, it's, I'm yours anyway. So whatever you want, it's okay with me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, here in Leviticus, we see offerings that we're supposed to give. Offerings that we might want to give, Lord, because it's something out of love. You've moved our hearts. And Lord, we understand there's also times where we have to might give something that we don't want to, or that looks like it's hard, or maybe we think we can't. So sacrificially, Lord, we say, Lord, I'll give it, but you're going to have to provide. Father, all those things become easy when you have 100% of us. And so, Father, please help us. Lord, we never want to offer something that is not our best. Lord, you deserve our best. And Father, it's not because we're earning brownie points. It's not because, Lord, uh, we think it makes us better. But Lord, in the big picture, we look at what you gave up for us. Father, the God of glory, God of creation, Son of God, Jehovah, left it all to come to this earth, became poor so that we might become rich. It is grace, God's riches at Christ's expense. And so, Father, as we are managers of your riches in this world, none of it belongs to us. Help us to understand, Lord, that we have a duty, we have a liberty and Father, sometimes a sacrifice to give because you own it all anyway. So Father, please, whether it's our finances, our talent, our time, Lord, I don't know what the Holy Spirit is nudging each one of us with, but Lord, please help us to remember we check every day to make sure that all of us is surrendered to you. Father, thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.